can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. We're talking today about, is it American skincare rules or skincare rules here versus overseas? Yes. So... I saw that topic and it was funny because last night I was a bit naughty sometimes. I put a VPN on to watch shows in America that haven't come out yet. <laughs> oh, don't tell the AFP. Are you not meant to do that? I don't know. <laughs> well, you can log on to YouTube and watch like if it's not available, you can just use a VPN. Anyway, so I don't yeah. do it very often, but I did it last night. And the American advertising, TV advertising is so different to Australian ads. It's like 90% of the ads are for medical. Yes. And so last night there was an ad and it was, was it eczema or something. And it, but then it says for the last 20 seconds of the ad, it's like, this medication may cause heart failure. And like, it just like yeah. lists <laughs> off like all of the medical, like it's quite scary, but they do a lot mm. of advertising for pharmaceuticals. That was the first thing that I've noticed. But the second thing that came up last night was a Vagisil ad. I just thought this would not happen in Australia. So it was like, is your vagina itchy? Oh. It kept saying vagina and itch, but it was in this like American voice. Hilarious. I wish I had the ad that I could send you. It was so funny. And I thought there would not be an ad like that in Australia, I don't think. No. About an itchy vagina. Like it was very, just, you know, get rid of itch fast. Like really American. <laughs> I mean, I would appreciate ads like that, I think. I did enjoy it. I just thought this wouldn't happen. In it. The ads are so different. The ads are so different over there. I'm surprised that they don't get complaints from people being like, ah, oh, you shouldn't be saying vagina on TV. Vagina was said quite a few times. But I've got to yeah. say, I think that ad has definitely sold me on Vagisil over Femme Fresh. Really? It was great. It was, it was okay. a great ad. Not, not that I have any itch, but I was actually having a look at the cream. Vagisil. I didn't know that they, oh, so they have a yeast infection cream. All right. Well, Vagisil, you've sold yeah. me next time I have thrush. I'll be going straight to the pharmacy yeah. <laughs> for my Vagisil. <laughs> I don't know if we even sell that here. We've definitely got the, the body wash. Oh. I don't know. I've never seen it. Maximum strength anti-itch cream. That's sort of how that, that's, that's, how, they, great. that's how they were talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really funny ad, but I can always tell when I've got that VPN on because I know it's instantly from the ads, you know, because I don't think in Australia we can do pharmaceutical advertising. It's definitely a lot more strict. They have actual prescription medications like cancer drugs. Like It was stuff that you would just wouldn't see. That's crazy. Yeah, no, we definitely can't advertise prescription mm. medication. I'm sure. Yeah, I've never seen that. Because like paracetamol and, you know, all of those kinds of things, ibuprofen. Nurofen. You see Nurofen, yeah. Zavance, yeah. and that's, I've seen ads for that. But I've never seen an ad for like a prescription medication. Neither. 
I don't think that's allowed here, which is absolutely fair because you should be seeing a doctor. <laughs> but they do at the end, it's probably obviously strict because they do list every scary side effect that's yeah. possible. And that almost like yeah. counteracts the ad. Well, remember Chloe Kardashian doing that paid post of the yes, migraine medication? I remember that. That was so random. God, I'd love to know how much they paid her for that. And so did Kim K's done one as well. I think it was for oh. – I can't remember what it was for, but she's definitely done one too. You can't do that here though. For a prescription medication. Yeah, anyway. What's on today's episode? <laughs> Be to it. <laughs> so on today's episode, we have a voice note submission for our cringy combo from an anonymous Facebook group member. And then we're chatting about the skincare rules here versus overseas and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Hannah, we always love hearing from our audience. So I thought the other day I put a little call out in our Facebook group for people to send in their cringy combos. We used to do this all the time. And when we did a couple of those virtual live shows, yes, some of this so funny came through. It was so much fun. So we had lots of people send their stories through. Our producer, Kiara, has selected one for us to listen to today. This person will get a $250 door beauty voucher which hopefully they can put towards something lovely, I hope. Let's give it a listen. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to share this, but it's very cringeworthy, so enjoy. I took my older dog for a walk some time ago. Every time we go for a walk, he drops off a package, a little brown, big brown nuggets actually. (laughs) The poor thing had been unwell. He'd had a surgery, so his poos were a bit sloppy. He did a poo on the walk. I had bags with me. I picked it up, didn't think anything of it other than it was gross. We're walking and he walks slow and we go past a house and a dog just comes charging out. So I said to them, please get your dog. My dog's not aggressive, but I think if any stranger comes running towards you, you're going to have your guard up. I just didn't want any issues because this dog was small and mine is big. So as you can imagine, the bag full of poo was also big. I managed to get us away. It was warm, so I was wearing shorts. I felt something on my leg and I thought, oh, what's that? I looked down. I carry a little portable like a plastic bottle that attaches to the lead. The corner of it in my haste to get my dog away had ripped the poo bag. So this sloppy dog poo was all over my Mm. bare thighs, running down my leg. It was on my arms. It was also all over my waist and my top. And in my vigor, pulling my dog away, it had gone underneath my top as well. I had poo everywhere. (laughs) It was the only time I was happy to have hay fever because I had tissues on me. I wiped as much as I could off my hand. One of my hands was clean, so I rang my mum. She happened to be home. And I'm like, when I get home, I just (laughs) need you to open the door. So I got home, threw the poo bag in the bin. Oh, my God, my poor dog. I pulled him so fast. Got home. My mum opened the door. I kicked my shoes off and I ran upstairs and had a shower and washed all of the poo off. Oh, my God. I will never forget that in my life. Oh, my God. I'd be paranoid about that for the rest of my life, I think. (laughs) I'd be so paranoid about that water bottle. I would have gotten rid of that ASAP. Doggy diarrhea all over her. Yeah, not Uh, ideal. Would you rather get your dog's diarrhea all over you or your own diarrhea? What's preferable? In public? Yeah. 
<laughs> my dogs. Yeah. Would you, so would you rather your own diarrhea run down your legs or have no? Or have, no, you'd rather your dog. Yeah, same. It's easy same. for me to be like, oh, it's the dog. It's the like sick. you can blame the dog. Yeah. I can't walk around being like, oh, yeah. I've actually got IBS. <laughs> Hannah, as you know, my boyfriend moved in a couple of months ago and he has a dog. Yes. We had an incident the other night that kind of reminds me of this story. So we went and took him for a little quick walk at night. We'll take him just up and down the street to do wheeze and poos before bed. And we took him the other night and he'd had some things that he shouldn't have eaten. My partner Mm. fed him some food that he probably shouldn't have had. So had the sloppy poos and he picked up what he could and I'm like looking at him walking in front of us and I'm like it looks like there's still some poop on his bum (laughs) and so we got to the front door and I'm like I'm gonna come and bring you a wet one like a little wipe and you're gonna have to wipe his bum because as soon as he like sits on the floor like on the light gray rug or on his bed which is like that white boucle like the creamy boucle it's gonna be there's going to be a poo stain on there. So I brought him to wipe the dog's ass. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else does that with their dogs, but I do feel like we should be wiping our dog's bums more often. I didn't know that you had a dog move in with you as well. What do you mean? <laughs> How did you miss that? I don't think you've told me that unless it's been on your stories. It's been on my stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you only just told me that you moved in with your boyfriend. I just felt like that was assumed. <laughs> I feel like a cringy combo is in order to talk about what it's like to live with a boyfriend. Yes. Well, I was going to say cleaning mm. is a totally different ball game when there's a pet and there's a man involved. The amount of hair that comes off the two of them. I remember he has telogen effluvian yes. of the chest. <laughs> Literally, literally, but the dog sheds as well. And now I clean the house and it's like the next day it's dirty again and I feel like I have to do it every single weekend. Whereas I used to clean the house and for like three weeks I'd be like, eh, the bathroom's fine. Like I'll just do a little vacuum once a week and it's fine. But it's not fine now. now. It's so much more work. I was going to say on the dog side of things, I remember my sister begged so hard to get a dog when we were young, begging, begging, begging. This always happens. Your parents say, you can only have a dog if you do all the dog chores, take it out for a poo, take it out for a wee, take it for a walk. You know, Linda, Linda's just she just doesn't have it yeah. in her so it ended up that she would get up every morning the dog would sleep I think at the edge of her bed oh. she was the one that had to take the dog every morning is it like five or six in the morning yeah she had to go take the dog out for a poo and a wee yeah I don't think I ever took the dog out ever I can't imagine that you would have <laughs> I had a dog for a long time I never ever in my life have picked up dog ever What about when your parents were away? I don't remember what happened, but I've never done it. One of your sisters Uh, probably did it. I think my mum's always done the dog poo, even though we promised. What about when you took it for walks or you just didn't take it for walks? I don't think I ever took it for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) The RSPCA is going to be after you. I think Linda did all the chores with the dog. I feel you have to share it around because taking care of a pet, especially a dog, is so much work. You have to be so like committed to it. Even just if you spend the day out, you've got to go home because you've got to let the dog out. Like mm. there's a lot that goes into it and cleaning after them. It's yeah. 
People need to consider that. Who's taking the dog while you're in Europe? He's going to Adrian's parents' house. He usually goes there like if we're going to be gone for a couple of days or we're going to be working. Are you going to miss the dog? Uh, when I'm away, maybe. Have you created a bond? Yeah, yeah. I do. He's a great dog. He's a very well-behaved Aww. dog, in fairness. Like I saw a TikTok last night of these two golden retrievers that had absolutely ripped this woman's house to shreds while she was at work. She came home. The whole house was covered in flour. They'd ripped everything down from the pantry. Like I'm not even kidding. Everything was on the floor in the pantry. There was nothing on the shelves. They had absolutely destroyed the place. And I thought, oh, thank God my dog's not like that. He's not destructive. But they can really cause havoc. Sometimes I think TikTok, they actually create these scenarios for TikTok. You reckon? I don't believe any. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a video the other day. I think it was like a repost of a TikTok, maybe on YouTube. It was like this girl was saying that she was Justin Bieber's cousin and he was like, wow. And I was like, this is all set up. Like he was interviewing someone at a shopping center, Ah. but it was all set up. I saw another one where a kid had this Milo under a doona and had poured it all over yeah. himself. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, That set up, 100% yeah. set up. How does that even happen? I was looking yeah. for the <laughs> like the TV control and I opened and no, you set that yeah. up yourself. You're using your kids to get views. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, a bit off topic. <laughs> yeah, TikTok is a rabbit hole. Anyway, <laughs> congratulations to our anonymous uh, voice memoir who – sent in her story. Congrats. Today we're talking about different skincare rules in Australia versus overseas. We know there's a few differences. So we've got Jennifer Rudd joining us from Skincare Business Foundations. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is your specialty. Yes, it is. Yeah, a bit of a compliance nerd. A whole compliance space is really, really interesting for people that are wanting to get into the beauty business. So can we talk about what are some of the key differences between skincare regulations here in Australia compared to other countries? Well, in Australia, cosmetic products don't actually have to be registered before they're sold online or on the shelves. So that means there's quite a low barrier to entry for people who are wanting to start a skincare brand and really anyone can start one if they want to. Mm -hmm. There aren't any specific safety testing requirements either, although there is an obligation under the Australian Consumer Law, which is regulated by the ACCC, to make sure products are safe for consumers, which includes cosmetics. But over in the UK and the EU, things are a bit stricter. So every product that's sold over there needs to have a bunch of documentation around it, including a safety report that's been signed off by a safety assessor And then the product needs to be notified to the authorities and have a responsible person listed for it who's responsible for complying with the regulations. So there's a bit of a higher emphasis on safety or more, I guess, controls around that and making sure that products have been tested so they don't go off on the shelves and put a customer's health at risk. Yeah, I feel like that should just be a common thing here as well. Should we not be implementing that? Well, it will be interesting, I guess, to see in years to come. I know in the US, they're kind of following suit with the UK and the EU, and they're doing a huge update to their cosmetics regulations at the moment. So they're going to be requiring safety testing and a responsible person as well. So yeah, stay tuned, I guess, in future years in Australia for what changes could happen here too. There is a lot of regulation though in Australia around sunscreen. Why do a lot of sunscreens from the EU and US not translate to the SPF 50 sunscreens here? And should we be wary of buying SPF products overseas? 
Yeah, sunscreens is an interesting one because, as you can imagine, there's really strict regulations around it, particularly here in Australia because we've got such a high rate of skin cancer due to our harsh sun with that hole in the ozone layer and also, of course, our outdoor lifestyles. We love being outdoors. All sunscreens sold in Australia do need to be tested to the Australian standard, which is a pretty high standard. So there could be really two reasons, I think, why brands from the EU and the US have to downgrade their SPF ratings. The first one is around our strict testing requirements. We do have stricter requirements around things like water resistance, which can affect the SPF rating. But then there's also some differences between cosmetic and therapeutic sunscreens here as well. So we've got Cosmetic sunscreens, which are things like your moisturizers with SPF, foundations with SPF and lip products with SPF, where sunscreen is really that kind of secondary purpose, not the primary purpose of that product. And then we've got therapeutic sunscreens on the other hand, things like SPF 30 and 50, where the primary purpose is to protect the skin from sunscreen. So I think in some cases they might downgrade that SPF rating so that they can bring it in as a cosmetic sunscreen and not have to go through all the hurdles that the TGA requires for a therapeutic sunscreen. For example, Fenty Skin, they've got a moisturising sunscreen with SPF 30 that they sell overseas, but when it's sold in Australia, it's downgraded to SPF 15, I think potentially, so that they don't need to go through that TGA approval process. And therapeutic sunscreens, they do need to be manufactured to a high standard. There is a good manufacturing practice licence that the manufacturers need to get and apply for through the TGA. And even overseas manufacturers that want to sell in Australia, if they're wanting to sell therapeutic sunscreens, they need to be a GMP facility as well. And apparently I've heard that there aren't really many that the TGA will accept. Mm. So I think if you're buying a therapeutic sunscreen in Australia, it's going to be safe and effective, Mm -hmm. which is great. And we're so lucky in Australia, we've got so many brands that we don't really need to look overseas anyway. Yeah, I think we're really, really lucky. And SPF products are huge at the moment. I think you'd both agree. I see a lot of people online wanting to get the sunscreens we have in Australia if they're from the US or the UK or the EU trying to access our sunscreens because they know they're like top tier, which is quite a compliment. Yeah, I've got a really (laughs) good reputation. So I actually bought some of the ultraviolet preen screen last week from Mm -hmm. Adore. So I'm really excited to try that when I head over to Europe next week. Yeah, I think you'll (laughs) like it. Excellent. So you actually support brands entering the market to ensure they're as compliant as they can be. What are things that brands or brand founders often do wrong in this space when they're starting a brand? Yeah, it is so hard because all of the information to find about cosmetic regulations and what you need to do to comply isn't in the one place. So it is difficult. One of the main things I see wrong is with labels. I do a lot of label reviews for client and I do find that 99% of them I review are not compliant and it could be to do with not having the required information on there or maybe they've got the required information on there but it's not in the correct format, size or position because even the things like the measurement marking, you know, the thing that says 50 mil, 50 gram, etc., it's got specific requirements around the abbreviation you need to use, the size it's got to be, where it's got to be on the label and, and things like that. So it could be something small or it could be something else like maybe the ingredients listing isn't quite right. The other one is around claims. There's a lot of brands out there potentially making some dodgy claims around therapeutic claims. I'm always telling brands you need to remember that we're making cosmetics and cosmetics have a you know surface level superficial effects or visible changes. So we really need to kind of make sure that we're not making any therapeutic claims around things like treating or healing or 
fixing any skin conditions or things related to physiological processes. Then the other thing I find, the other mistake I find brands make is they think about the labels and the claims, but there really is a lot more to it than that. Or maybe they don't think about compliance early on enough in the process at the formulating stage, because even when you're formulating, you need to make sure that you've got a compliant formulation in terms of looking at things like the poison standard. So I had a client actually a couple of weeks ago and I was looking at their formulation against the poison standard and it actually found that the product needed a warning on it that it couldn't be used around the mouth, the anus or the genitals, which as you can imagine, it's not really a warning that you want to be putting on your product. No. So <laughs> doesn't look great when you've got a big caution on the front and it's got all these yeah. warnings on it when it's sitting on the shelf. So they might need to go back and, and potentially reformulate that. Mm-hmm. Mm. How did you get into a role like this? This is very interesting. Like it's, it's so specialised. Yeah, so I, I had a corporate background in risk compliance and audit for many years, not in the beauty industry. And I decided, like many, back in 2015 to have a bit of a side hustle, you know, creative outlet for my main job. And I started my own skincare brand. And then I had that for a couple of years and I realized that there was a lot of other people who wanted to start their skincare brands or other cosmetic brands, but they didn't have that compliance background or, you know, the business side of things. So that's why I started Skincare Business Foundations. I'm a total compliance nerd. So I really love <laughs> nerding out on the regulations and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I'm here to make their lives easier. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like our audience, some people would be listening going, I want this job. This yeah. sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. I get to work with some amazing brands. So there are often talks of different ingredients being banned in different countries for use in cosmetics. And I know from my experience, The Ordinary have like a really high strength AHA serum that's red that you can't buy here because obviously it's it's not allowed in Australia. So what does that process look like in Australia? Yeah. So whenever I'm looking at a formulation for someone, I'm going to be looking in two places to see whether it's compliant or not. The first is on the ACIS inventory. ACIS is the Australian Industrial Chemicals Introduction Scheme. Most cosmetic ingredients are considered to be industrial chemicals. And ACIS, they're regulating the importation and manufacture of these industrial chemicals. So they've got an inventory which has around 40,000 chemicals on it. And whenever someone's importing anything, they need to make sure that it's on the inventory or if it's not, it needs to go through a bit of a, a risk assessment process. The other place that I'll have a look is the poison standard, and that's regulated by the TGA. And essentially, that's really a list of chemicals that could be scheduled as either a medicine or a poison. So for example, phenoxyethanol, you've probably heard of that one. It's a common ingredient used in cosmetics. That's listed on the poison standard, but it's only classified as scheduled if it's included at more than 1% of the formulation. So it's always going to be included at 1% or less over here. So potentially with other ingredients that are overseas, they might be found on the poison standard and it's got restrictions around that or on the inventory. And they're always going to be having a look at what's happening overseas to see whether, you know, what new information is available about chemicals and whether any changes need to be made to the poison standard or the ACUS inventory. So you've probably heard about Lilial. That got a lot of media attention a couple of years ago or last year around Olaplex particularly. They got a lot of airtime. They removed Lilil from their ingredients and Acus had a bit of a look at that. They've decided they're not going to make any changes to the inventory, but that's the kind of thing that they're going to be looking at and reassessing on a risk basis because they want to be making sure that 
any chemicals we use are safe. Mm-hmm. Are there any quick facts that you can share with us about this space that might surprise our audience? Because this has really given me a new appreciation for how much work goes into a brand and formulating product. And it kind of explains why some products maybe are a little bit more expensive because of the work that goes into getting things approved. Yes, definitely. I think another one in relation to claims is around the term chemical free. And this is something mm. that I see a fair bit, but it's really totally you know, false and misleading or it's not, it's not true because most cosmetic ingredients are chemicals and even water is a chemical. Mm-hmm. So whenever I see the phrase chemical free used on a product, I'm a little bit cringy and it kind of makes me think that the brand doesn't really understand totally the basics around how to make, yeah. <laughs> you know, around formulations. So I kind of wonder what else might they not be understanding? <laughs> and, you know, I know that people mean no toxic or no harmful chemicals, but really all chemicals that are used in cosmetics when they're used within the limits that are prescribed, if there are any, they're considered safe. Like with anything, like with all chemicals, it comes down to the dose and the percentage that they're used at. Mm. And I think there's so much fear-mongering that goes on out there about toxic ingredients that really isn't true. And it's really a bit of a bugbear of mine. And I think it's time to change the narrative on that. And I think Mm. brand owners have a big responsibility to play in that. Like those ingredient things online where you put an ingredient in, of course, it's going to say it's toxic if it's at 100%. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, even water could be toxic if we drank enough of it. Yeah, if you drank too much. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's just a bit of a, a warning for everyone out there. Don't believe everything you read online and... You know, I must admit I went through my own toxin-free stage when I started my own skincare brand, but I've come out the other side. I've seen the light and, you know, I love using products with a lot of botanical ingredients in them, but I'm also interested in the performance of them, how effective they're going to be, and also that they're safely preserved, which is another big issue. I mean, you would assume that if something was toxic, there'd be part of that poisons that you mentioned, like if it was toxic to you. Is that what you mean? Yeah, there would have been restrictions put in it, for example, from ACIS or the poison standard. And that is one thing ACIS looks at. They look at how a chemical is going to be used, what percentage. Mm -hmm. So it could have restrictions on the inventory saying you can't use it in products intended for the eye or maybe it can only be used at a limit of 0.05% in dermal products. You know, they're taking this kind of stuff into consideration and then brand owners use this information to formulate safe products. Mm Mm-hmm. So if there are any people out there listening that are very keen to start a skincare or cosmetic brand, how can they get in touch with you to make sure that all their products are compliant? Because I feel like everyone should be using you. (laughs) Thank you. I love working with new brands or brands of any size. So DM me on Instagram, Skincare Business Foundations. I'd love to know if you've been listening and what your key takeaway was from this. Yeah, contact me on there or, or send me an email. Perfect. Thank you for joining us today, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It's been amazing to chat to you. Okay, another one of my products, Hannah, is in a box. Mm-hmm. And that's because I have a number of different moisturizers and night creams open. Okay. So I'm really trying to just use this a few times and then put it away for a little while till mm-hmm. I finish the other ones. You get too many things on rotation mm. and it's just not necessary. So my product today is the SkinCeuticals AGE Interrupter Advanced mm-hmm. or Age Interrupter, but it's got dots between it. So I feel like you're meant to say AGE. What does it stand for? No idea. That's a great question, actually. Okay. Let me find out. Okay. I feel like it's going to be I'll do anti- it. I reckon it's going to be antioxidants, glycation, or it might be anti-glycation something because i know that this is meant to stop glycation okay you keep going and i'll see if i can find out so 
This product is a renovated version mm-hmm. of their original age interrupter cream. Mm-hmm. It is very expensive. It's upwards of $200. It's 270 something. Mil? Yeah. When I found out how much it was, I was like, mm, not in this environment. I wouldn't be People are it. willing with SkinCeuticals. But they are. Definitely. And if it's you're such a, a good brand. Yeah. If you're a SkinCeuticals lover yeah. and you've been using the original, you're probably going to buy the Advance, in fairness. Advanced Glycation End Products. Oh, see? I knew it. You did. I knew it. Wow. So this one features a combination of wild fruit flavonoids blueberry and pomegranate extracts that deliver 12.5% higher activity than the single flavonoid, which is a blueberry extract, used in the original formulation. Mm -hmm. So they've just upped it with, I think, like the antioxidant side of things to produce better results. Mm -hmm. So this is a more advanced formula than the previous one. It does leave my skin very glowy the next day Mm -hmm. and I feel very hydrated by this. It is more for that either very dry consumer or more mature skin that's lost moisture over the years. So I wouldn't say it's for a 20-year-old, definitely not. But if you're kind of upwards of 30, Mm -hmm. then this might be one that you consider. So I am now 30. So (laughs) getting on the prevention as soon as I possibly can, even if it is $274. So mine today, I can't believe I haven't spoken about this one before. I used it the other day. Again, I was trying to find a dupe for the Chanel from home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still on that. I I couldn't justify it. It was just, it was a dewy, like light coverage foundation. No, they didn't have my color. Oh, that's right. Go to a different department store. (laughs) I tried it and it was a light coverage dewy foundation. Okay. I couldn't really justify like yes. I have. So yeah. I was, I've been trying to go through like all my different foundations that I've still got. Guys, I can guarantee she's going to go and buy it at some point. I bet I'll come back from <laughs> holidays and she'll have the, the, both the shades. Anyway, I did try this one again the other day and I was like, oh, I forgot how much I actually really like this one. It's the Makeup Forever Water Tone. I love, I think Makeup Forever do such good foundations. Mm. It's a sheer lightweight skin tint. It's got a radiant finish and it's definitely, I agree, it does have buildable coverage, but it is lightweight. Mm -hmm. So for me, this one's really good for like just evening out skin tone as in you're not going to get like a full coverage, but it's definitely going to even out the skin tone. In terms of radiant finish, I would say it's probably more satin finish mm. for me. What's the price comparison? This one's sixty four. It's not like the Chanel okay. one, so it's not, okay. It's not so like we're the not Chanel. doing a dupe situation. No, no, no. Here. This isn't. This was just me trying different like lightweight yeah. foundations. Right. But I really like Makeup Forever. Mm, same. So I felt like this one I would. Do. I think you could. I could do this one with the. It's like really lightweight and sheer enough yeah. to do with the. Method J Lo's, mm-hmm. which I haven't done yet. You should try it. Have you done it? No. I'll try it with this one. But also, Makeup Forever products are really good in terms of like long lasting. So, last for up to 24 hours, humidity, sweat, and water resistant, transfer proof. So, like all the really great things that Makeup Forever do with their foundations, you'll find with this one as well. But obviously, it's lightweight, so your skin will still breathe. Yeah, it does say here it's best on normal to oily skin, which makes sense that it's not super dewy. It yeah. is like like it's not. It's sort I of a matte, matte satin. And it wasn't super dewy on No. Me. Yeah. It does say that, but that's why it would be better for oily skin like me. And I don't feel like a lot of light coverage kind of dewy or finished foundations are made for No. This would probably be the go. I think the only other thing was that you have to shake it. Yes. Yeah, you got to shake it because it's so, yeah. So liquidy. That's probably better for me than Chanel. 
because the Chanel's very dewy. You keep telling yourself that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to get, I just, I saw how good she looked and how transformed she was, J-Lo, that I just can't. But it is J-Lo. It is. You've got to remember a foundation doesn't give you the exact skin that she has. That's true. Mm. She looked amazing in that video. Yeah. Transformation. Yeah. Hannah, we used to speak a lot about things that we, like when we were single, things dating, that we would early not want to do in front yeah. of guys yeah. when we first met It was a big them. issue, wasn't it? For example, it? finding a place to poop. Yeah. Now um, it's easy. Now when, when you're comfortable, life is so much easier. Like it's, you it's, reach a whole <laughs> new level, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it's better, but like you get to it a is. point of comfort where you can actually poo in your own house. Yeah. Great. <laughs> and occasionally fart as well yep yeah or frequently you're frequently i need to let it out mine's usually when he's asleep next to me i try to wait and let it all out then oh see (laughs) my boyfriend's a light sleeper so he just goes oh god you're on fire (laughs) (laughs) the going to the bathroom thing because initially how that would work is he'd put noise cancelling headphones in yes so that i could so i felt (laughs) like i could relax Put some music on, noise cancelling in, and then now we're at the stage that don't even need the noise, just if the TV's on or yeah. whatever. You still won't go in full silence? Mm, a farting one if there was farts involved. Yeah. But if there's not, I don't okay. care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. if it's going to be like a loud, like a yeah. loud one, and I want probably a little bit of privacy. Beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if it's just going to be a straight plop, yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the, the and, the, and the other thing that I'm comfortable now with, which I never thought would happen, was I'll pluck chin hairs now because i got a yeah. really bright light beside my bed. Yes. So I'll get the mirror and, and I'll do it beside the bed. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just plucking a few chin hairs. I've never seen a chin hair on you. Yeah, I, I keep it. I keep, yeah, I got it under control. I, it under control. <laughs> I look in there all the time. Yeah. So, and like maybe a couple here on yeah. the upper lips. So, I'm now comfortable with that. So, mm. I don't know what else is left. Is, yeah. is romance dead? Well, I walked into the bathroom not last night, the night before. My boyfriend was having a bath. He enjoys a bath. I <laughs> love that bath for him. Salts in there. <laughs> Cute. And I just had to pee, so I just went in there and I yeah, did I'll a do wee that too. And yeah. just spoke to him while he was in yeah. the bath. Yeah, I'll do a wee too. <laughs> he was fine with it. Yeah, and yeah. he'll do a wee if I'm in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? We yeah. were really stressed out about these things. We really were. Because yeah. I'd forgotten what it was like to be that comfortable with Remember? someone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about that guy that did it? <laughs> I better not. <laughs> <You> better not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your boyfriend probably <laughs> listens to this. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Go to my uh, segment on Hannah's other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.